I was born with a gift. I was the captain of the number one college soccer team in the country at Indiana University in the mid-80s. I even wrote a book about it, To Chase a Dream Chronicles That Journey. But let me be honest with you, my gift wasn't that I was a great athlete or even a great soccer player. I walked onto that team. I begged the coach to let me stay, and it took me three years to get off the bench and finally see my first taste of action. My gift was this inner belief, this optimism, this hope, perseverance. That was the gift. That's not even the best part of the story. The best part of the story is that I met my girlfriend, now wife of 29 years, while walking on that campus. She was a gymnast, so our paths would cross often as athletes, circles of friends. First time I saw Sherry, there was just something about her that I knew was special. She had an inner peace about her. She had a spirit about her, a warm smile, aside from her beauty. And I was drawn to it. I was drawn to the spiritual side of that. Like the gift I have of perseverance, I got to know Sherry, but I waited two years before I ever asked her out. I finally worked up the nerve. I got off the bench. We went out, and the rest is history. And what exactly what I thought I saw in Sherry when I first saw her was exactly what she brought to my life. See, I was born and raised and baptized in the Greek Orthodox Church. I'm a middle child of five, and passion is part of who we are. So loud, kissing, hugging, crying, laughing was an everyday affair around the kitchen table at our house. There was an inborn spirituality. The challenge was we moved. By the time I was 14, I had lived in six different cities in four different states. So from a communal standpoint, we never really got ingrained in a culture of, of religion. Spirituality, yes. Traditions, absolutely. Passion, no doubt about it. What Sherry brought to my life was that communal. I started going to church with Sherry. And I'll be honest with you, at first it was because I wanted to be with Sherry, right? And if she wanted to go, I wanted to go. But what, what she demonstrated to me, this inner peace, was certainly a lived experience. She lived it. It wasn't just an act. And going to church became a real peaceful place for me. I started to understand sacraments and readings and, and homilies and, and how much those things meant across the board to anyone sitting in the congregation. We got married, and shortly thereafter, before our first child was born, I converted to Catholicism, Roman Catholic. That was an incredible process in and of itself. And on the, ends, on the onset, it was simply because I wanted unity in the family, and so did she. We didn't want dad going to one church and mom going to another. Again, little signs, little things that drew me to the Catholic Church, to drew me, that drew me true to this religion, even though I didn't know consciously that, that I was making those subconscious decisions. I was doing what I thought was the right thing. The more I got into the church, though, the more I became aware of that communal feeling that I knew existed. I became a youth minister. I became a Eucharistic minister. I was a mass coordinator. It was awesome. And I, I knew a lot of people in the church. It was a really great place. Now it started to really become whole to me. This is what it's all about. Matching the spirituality 
with this act and practice of religion. It was beautiful. In the meantime, I started my professional career. My mom had started a soccer specialty store in Carmel, Indiana in 1981. She was way ahead of her time. The store was about as big as this carpet, but it served the soccer players in this small little area. Most of them are family. All five of us played soccer. We used to have to drive to Chicago to get our shoes. She said, you know what? This doesn't make sense. Let's open a store. We'll have five built-in customers. It'll be perfect. Her mission statement, it wasn't written on the wall. She just lived it. We're going to treat anybody who walks in this store like they're walking in our living room. And it worked. And as we grew and the store grew and the sport exploded through the 80s and 90s and the 94 World Cup, and we had a business going. And I got out of college six years after she opened her first store and I opened our second store and managed our second location. And we're doing camps and we're doing clinics and we're consulting and we're talking formations. It became the living room. This common thread of the sport drew us all together. We were so passionate about what we were doing. It was a great mom and pop store to the point that it got recognized as the number one soccer specialty in the country by U.S. soccer. It was an amazing journey. We lived it. We ate, slept, slept and drank soccer. We loved our customers and our vendors. Shortly after we got nominated and awarded the number one soccer store in the country, I kind of took over the business. My brothers went into the coaching side of things. They touched thousands and thousands of lives, shaped thousands of lives through their coaching and still do today. My parents kind of retired and it was my baby. And this is when things started to change. It was a great mom and pop store, but I started listening to the outside noise. You can't be mom and pop. You got to be a business. You got to take it to the next level. And that simple philosophy of treat them like they're in your living room, suddenly became not good enough. I can't explain it. I don't know if it was ego. I don't know if it was pride. I'm not proud of the, of the, of the time, but I wanted to be the biggest. I wanted to be the finish line of soccer specialty stores across the country, have them everywhere. Why? I don't know. Success? Recognition? I'd never been driven by any of that in my life. But this time I was. And I'm working like a dog and I'm still going to church with Sherry and everything's going fine. But pretty soon the economy starts shifting, competition starts picking up, and I'm starting to have to work harder and harder. Instead of 60 hours, it's 80 hours. And it's evenings and it's weekends. And this thing became a false idol. I became consumed by and with this business. It was awful. I had six stores at the time, multi-million dollars in revenue, but struggled with meeting payroll often, struggled with paying vendors. This albatross was crushing me. And the worst part about it was I wasn't able to be myself. I had a wife and three children. That's where I wanted to spend my time. And when I wasn't spending my time at the office, I certainly wasn't present when I was home with them. Now church became a place of Anxiety and fear and grasping, SOS calls and 911, help me, ask, just taking and taking. Seeing, it's only been five minutes, how long is this mass? Going in the Adoration Chapel and being very anxious 
and it's my head spinning and my thoughts spinning all the time about what I have to do next. How am I going to accomplish this? What's on my to-do list? The challenge with it was it was real. I had a monster of a business. I had invested. We had invested our savings, our life physically, emotionally, financially. I had to make it work. The gift of per perseverance, right? So in that sense, roll up your sleeves, work harder, dig yourself out. Tough equation. And as passionate as I was about that business, I was struggling until the bank called on April 14, 2006 and shut it down. It was over with a simple phone call. And I literally was brought to my knees. Where do I go from here? There's, there's two components to this. One, how do I face my family? How do I tell, my, how do I tell people what happened? And then two, the reality, what do I do now? That was my whole livelihood. We had invested everything. Perseverance. Really what this message is all about. It can be a gift. It can also be a blind spot. Channeled properly, it is the most rewarding component that I've ever possessed. The gift that I have channeled improperly, it can be a major detriment. It took the Lord to hit me with a two-by-four over the head to say, wake up. You're in the wrong place. And I remember when it happened, the day it happened, I'll never forget it. For a second or 10 seconds, this fleeting feeling came through my body of rush and the flush of this emotion and weight just flushed through my system. While it was fleeting, it was powerful. I knew something was going on. Something was happening. The next morning I woke up scared and anxious and upset. During the journey, never questioned God, never left the church, still went to church. My wife was so diligent. She was the same person that I fell in love with from the very beginning. She was the person I needed in that moment. Go to church, pray, we'll get through this. What I found, the gift of perseverance, the gift that I was blessed with, isn't about how many times I can juggle a soccer ball, how many sprints I can run in a minute and a half, how much revenue I can generate for my business, how I can cut costs and fire people and save money. That was not my comfort zone. What I found, perseverance, is an inner peace, an inner peace. Not a deep breath once in a while, but living every day with an inner peace, knowing that everything's going to be okay. A surrender to let go. I'm competitive. I was an athlete. I persevered on the soccer field. Surrender to me was giving up. I never understood the concept of surrender. It's taken me years and years to understand, no, that's not giving up. It's a beautiful letting go and understanding that doors are going to open. Go through the doors that are open. Follow the path he's got in store for us. Don't be so perseverant that you miss what's going on in your life. And then live joyfully. Joyful joy is a fruit of the Spirit. 
Happy is one thing. Joy is a whole nother thing in our soul. It lives within us, joyful through challenges, joyful through great times. When I was struggling with this journey, I was not the person I wanted to be. I wasn't joyful. You can be joyful if your perseverance is in your faith. And I had an incredible example to follow shortly after all this happened, about five years later. Most amazing example. Still model him today. Very close friend of mine was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer at the age of 41 years old. He had three children and a wife. Mike Bigelow was an amazing man before he got cancer. He was the kind of guy that everybody thought was their best friend. That's who he was. He was diagnosed and given three months to live. Mike didn't run out and make a bucket list of all 900 things that he needed to accomplish in the next three months. See this, go there, do that. No, not Mike. Mike spent time with his family. Yes, he traveled. They went to a couple places. And the last place they went was to his favorite place in Florida. But he spent time with his family. People were his medicine. His energy came from those and he let us in. And you go over to Mike's house, and I'm not exaggerating, in a year, four nights a week, five nights a week, he and I would go on Tuesday walks. You'd go there hoping that Mike's doing okay, and you'd walk out feeling better about yourself. It was never about Mike. In the face of death, he had this inner peace, this surrender. He was a very intelligent man. He had done his homework. His brother's a doctor. He knew. He had an inner peace and a surrender. And he had a joy. If there was ever another two-by-four across the head from, from the big man above, it was that. Mike, thank you so much for that gift. His legacy still lives on. The Lord is always present. Be looking for the Lord. Don't turn your back. Don't think, me, me, me. That little part of my life was me-centered instead of Christ-centered. We're going to be the biggest store. We're going to have 500. We're going to do 80 million in revenue. We're going to, we're going to, we, me, me. It doesn't work. Taking the time to recognize that the Lord is with us always. Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. That's the truth. That's the truth. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. It took me a lifetime to learn that message. A lifetime, as I stand in front of you today. It's cool that I wrote a book, and not everybody does, about their athletic journey and their perseverance to get to where they got to. I don't want that to be my legacy. I want my legacy to be one who passionately, faithfully followed Christ down the path he wants me to go, through the doors he has opened for me, and not to be disappointed in the doors that he might have closed. And I pray that each and every one of you can get to that same point in your perseverance journey. Thank you very much.